Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. So you welcome to the polls. This is Joy News, independent, credible, and fearless. This is the polls here on Wednesday's edition of the polls. My name is Elton Brobe. Now we are a bit late because we are uh, covering the NDC's news conference, their reaction to the statement that was delivered by the vice president and the MPP's flagbearer for the 2024 election last week. The NDC had a response, and that is what we brought to you live. Now, but today there's been a lot of you know, uh, news around the presidency, around the ministers of state, around parliament. I mean, it's best to say today is a news day. And today is also Valentine's Day. But for President Akufuado, he chose to be selective in the show of love as we celebrate the day of love, Valentine's Day, whilst others were uh, showed love at the president. Others are also going home. Now, after months of public outcry, President Akufuado finally shaked up his government with the reshuffle of his ministers. The biggest one, the removal of his role as finance minister. His place will be taken by Dr. Mohammed Amin Adam, who until his reshuffle was the minister of state at the finance. So he worked directly under the finance secretary. Now he becomes a substantive minister. But where does Kenoforiata go? So this is within the Jubilee House of Toll Joiners. He has now been assigned a new role. He will become senior government advisor on the economy, which means he will actually advise his successor, his former subordinate, on how he should run the economy. What does it really mean for the current situation of the economy? We'll analyze, we'll analyze that for you. And also, find the political implication of the reshuffle generally. First, though, uh, let me tell you who has moved where. Kofi Ajay joins me in studio for a quick run through the names of those who are still in government, those who are out of government. Kofi, let's run through the list as was communicated to Parliament today by the President. Well, a big Valentine's Day gift. Of I course. Mean, the first one would be <laughs> what you have on your mm-hmm. screens right now, the Finance Ministry, where it has taken the President more than 400 days mm-hmm. to actually hit to this cry. We know that there were members of the majority, about 80 of them. Who but said, more than 80, yes, almost the entire the, the number increased from 80 to 95, where... They wanted him out simply because they felt that the economy was on its knees because of his poor performance. They wanted the president to take him out as soon as possible. But the president gave them an assurance that they should allow him to, you know, lead the IMF negotiations. And when he's done, um, he's going to see what he will do. And 
after 400 days, the president has now decided to, uh, you know, change Kendall Foriata and bring in uh, Mr. Amin Adams mm. to take his position. He is done. I mean, we've had the first and second tranche of the IMF, mm. you know, disbursement. So probably uh, the president feels that this will be the best time to go. Yeah, exactly. To do the substitution. And just like you said, he is not going out completely. He's going to take up a new role at the presidency and he will keep doing what he used to do to serve the nation. Mm. So the biggest one in terms of the Valentine's Day reshuffle has to do uh, with what happened at the finance ministry. And if you tell, if you ask me, that's what I would say for, mm. for the start. The finance ministry one is so huge. Let's look at the next one and see. So as we're getting a bit of a background about Dr. Mohamed Adam mm. Otto, you know, he is very experienced in government. Very. When President Kofor was president, at some point he was the mayor of Tamale. Mm. And then when the MPP lost power, the NDC won between 2008 and 2016, he went out to set up his non-governmental organization, a think tank, mm -hmm. uh, Africa Center for Energy Policy, together with the current minister for railway, Peter Meu, member okay. of parliament for and then when the, when the, when the party uh, came to power in 2017, he was first made deputy energy minister and then reshuffled to become minister of state at the finance ministry and now uh, minister for finance. In fact, it's, it will be interesting to add that if you look at the uh, whole debt restructuring that we are having to take mm -hmm. right now, he's been playing a technical role in terms of how to deal with the restructuring. Um, Permanent, you know, eminent one could be the one, the negotiation he led with the independent power producers where he came out to tell them that the country was in a very difficult position and he would like that they should come to the negotiation for restructuring. So just like you said, he's been, he's someone who has been yes, uh, in the helm of affairs for, exactly, yeah. and he's been at the finance ministry, he knows what goes on in there, and he's been part of the whole debt restructuring, the technical aspect, and even the, the public you know, communication and letting us know what's in and what's out. He's been very instrumental in communicating that aspect. So that's what happened at the finance ministry. Kendall Foriata will, um, I mean, be reassigned, just like you said, and Amin Adams will come in to take uh, his position. That's one key substitution we've seen in the current race. Let's go to other yes. um, yeah, ministry. Yeah, that, yes. Yeah, and see this one. Right. I mean, the... One other ministry that people were also asking for reshuffle uh, was the health ministry. The health ministry, yeah. Because of the, you know, the COVID-19, Sputnik V oh. deal and all those complications. It got to a point that Kwekwa Jumamenu became so unpopular uh, at a point where... Well, there was a parliamentary mm -hmm. committee that was set up to prove his role in the procurement of the COVID-19 vaccines. Mm -hmm. And he didn't offer much in yeah. terms of explanation. Yeah how the contract was signed, how much money had been paid, how we went to receive the vaccines. In fact, there was a lot of, you know, uh, lagness in the entire process. The parliament was of the view that he had misconducted himself as a minister of state, mm -hmm. and for that reason, the president should fire him. But, you know... I mean, it, it, took, it, took, it took some time for that substitution effect to also take place. But the person coming to, to substitute him mm. is someone... That I, I think has gone through all the ranks right. and files of to becoming a, a proper 
health minister. That's Bernard Okoboy, former member of parliament, Absolutely. former deputy health minister, mm -hmm. currently the chief executive of, of the National Health Resort. Exactly, exactly. Designated for the Minister of Health. Yes, so now he is going to take the role of Kweku Ajiman Menu to become the new health minister. He's been nominated. Just hoping and praying that everything will go through. But health ministry is one key place that mm. you can't take out when you are talking about this reshuffle after what happened at the finance ministry. Let's also look at what happened at other places, um, other ministries. So let's let's change and see. Uh, okay, so interior ministry, Ambrose Derry, he's going to the... Mili Mili he is now a minister of state at the, at the Jubilee House. At the Jubilee House. And one thing that we observe is that the... Uh, I think Catherine Afeku is still there as the Minister of State at the presidency. No, no, no anymore. No anymore. So Ambrosari is now going to, to take that position. Mm. And then his position will be taken by the current Greater Accra Regional Minister, who Henry is Corte. the President of Henry Corte. He will be going to take the position of Ambrosari as the Interior Minister. And I think his position will be taken by... Titus the, Glover, right? Yeah, the former Member of Parliament for Tema West, mm. currently Chief Executive of VACO. And now will be taking over as the Greater Regional Minister. Absolutely. So, Interior Ministry, there's also some shakeup uh, there. Let's look at the next ministry, which this one I call the, the perfect substitution. Where, I mean, perfect in the sense that a deputy takes over from the takes from over the from his boss. Minister. Absolutely, and his boss moved to the Western House. Absolutely, has, has been uh, reassigned to another position. She she knows. How the ministry is run. Of she's course, been uh, I mean, she's been a deputy minister for a while before mm -hmm. before uh, moving to the Ministry of Information as a deputy minister. She's yeah. deputy director of communications at the Jubilee House mm -hmm. for the president. So clearly, he's she, she, she's been in the space yes, for, exactly. for a while now. I mean, it could be some perfect substitution there. Uh, Kojo Ponkroma will now be the minister for works and, 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 right. and house and which um, i think that uh, they will take over smoothly because yeah. it's already a minister yeah. it's already been vetted by parliament his feasibility has already been established so there's no need to go to the vetting mm. again so i expect that tomorrow we'll start even today we'll start, we'll start working from the minister of works and housing let's look at another ministry oh one other interesting place is Kukwajima Menu, I'm sorry, Kusia Mwakwata, who... The Minister for Rose. Yes. Uh, you're giving me some background. So yeah, why Tuwa West, Member down. of Parliament, mm -hmm. and clearly he had indicated that, I mean, he needed to uh, take time off to deal with, you know, some issues, mm. private issues. Yeah. So, uh, he was not going to be able to give his full in the running of the ministry and to help the government achieve its aim in the road sector. So, therefore, I mean, it became clear that he wasn't going to be able to give his full. And as I come, this reshuffle took place at the Rose Ministry. Mm. And I can say so for some of them as well. Some had gone to the president to say that because of health reasons, I will no longer be able to prosecute the agenda you've So it was not as a result of the performance or anything of a sort. Or yes, some of them, they had personal issues that they needed to, 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 to deal with, some health. And for that reason, they, they it was it was going to conflict with their rules mm. as ministers of state. So I, I think this one will also be another perfect substitution from infrastructure to infrastructure exactly. because I mean works and housing mm. procurement has to do with infrastructure still going to the same um, uh, rules. Rules. Yes, I think they are they have similar roles yes. in terms of mm. the ministries and what they are supposed to do. So I will call this one to another perfect substitution. Um, Francis Asensobuache for. Who you have indicated that has personal issues mm. and currently has to step down. So it's not as a result of poor performance At or all. anything he has indicated. But that. the president has always described as one of the best performing ministers. Mm. So 
Know. Himself and the finance minister. The finance minister. Yeah. And then a few other Ambrose Derry was also part exactly. of that list, the list of the, the faithful disciples, I call it. So Rex and Housing, we've already spoken about this. Kojopo um, Nkrumah, who you said, would be a perfect substitute. Now, Frida Prempe, she lost in the primaries. She lost. And that before, mm -hmm. before the parliamentary primaries took place, the president had made it clear, or the party had made it clear to all those who were contesting, that if you're a serving minister, if you are a serving deputy minister, and should you lose, you'll be out of government. Oh, okay. So they knew the wrecks the, the, the that they, they were going into, and so they went. So it, they were just waiting for the hours to fall, and, 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 and that's the reason why you have some, and, and, and some also who decided that they were no longer going to contest were also given the, 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 the directive that it, it will be, it, I mean, it will come down to whether you stay or you mm. because... The president needed people whom he can work now, with. Now, putting the two personalities aside, I think this is one of the ministers that has really been embattled uh, last year. I mean, exactly. the sanitation ministry as a result of... From the, from the issues of... C I mean, C C C C And then you have uh, this Frida uh, Pempe coming. And then we have Lydia Seram, the deputy whip in parliament, member of parliament for Iowa's West Wagon, and now being moved to... A cabinet uh, position as minister for water resources. Mm. So the, the basic question now will be whether her role her role will be taken to because what, what mm. would we understand even as we speak there's an ongoing meeting between the leadership of the MPP and the leadership of parliament, the majority caucus, the MPP, to come to a decision as to how to reshuffle the front bench of the MPP. So we are likely to see new faces at the, uh, representing the majority side of the MPP in parliament. Mm hopefully from next week. But, but also one aspect that we also have to talk about is the size of government because we know President Okufuado started his first term with 126 ministers, deputy ministers, regional ministers. 126, second term reduced it to eight. We've been counting it's 86. Mm -hmm. 86, reduction from 126 to 86. Mm -hmm. And looking at what we have, the data we have currently, it simply means that the 86 number of ministers and deputy ministers could be maintained. We do not, we are not likely to see a reduction. We also know that, um, you know, the former president, Mahama, says that when he's given the nod, he's going to reduce the size of government in terms of the ministers to mm. not more than 60. Mm. And Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, who is also leading the NPP, is that promising. It will not go 50. beyond 50. Absolutely. So you have that mm. downward trajectory from the 126 president Tukufuado started with to the 85 he reduced 86 he reduced to 60 being promised by Mahama and, and then, then 50, 50 by the vice president by the Mahama vice president the Kofi, thank you very much for coming through and so I mean those are the names of new ministers who are taking over from those who've exited governments and also new ones that are entering in for the very first time they will have to go to parliamentary vote. But there's been mixed reactions to the announcement in Parliament, especially and correspondent Koku Asante joins me for more. And we, we're going to have Koku Asante shortly. Uh, but Dr. Osai Kwapon is Director uh, Democracy Projects at the Center for Democratic Development. And he joins me on the, on the line. Uh, we, we'll have him shortly as well. But remember that the Speaker of Parliament referred the, the communication that came from the President to Appointments Committee, and as you will be aware, the Parliament Standing Orders is going through some revision. So we're going to have people from other committees join the Appointments Committee to vet 
the ministers will establish their suitability for the tax that the president has entrusted in their hands. So, for example, if we sh- if if uh, the minister for health, for example, uh, Dr. Kuboy appears before the appointment committee, we're going to have members from the health committee join the appointment committee to vet him. That is the new rules that is pertaining in the house now. Uh, on the streets, Ghanaians have been discussing the fallout. Let's listen to them. I am indifferent about it. Um, I, really, I think this government, I don't know if they really want to do anything. They, they've spent uh, more than seven years uh, without doing anything. So it's like we're just seven, ten months. What can you do? Ghanaians and myself, I think we are just waiting for just one, one day. And whatever, whatever we, we have to tell this government, maybe we'll do that today. 7th, 7th of December. For now, we are, I don't think any... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. What do you about who will be where? No. Oh, it's too late and uh, I think it, it won't serve any good people. But it's better he's gone. He should go. He should have left earlier. I don't know why he left, them, left him there. It's too long. He has delayed us. And I see going freely like that. There should, be, there should be questions on, on him because most of our financial woes are from him. That is what I know and I believe. His bank is working, but other banks are closed. Why? It demands explanation. Huh? His own too should, should go to, to be probed. He should be made uh, accountable. Huh? It's too bad. We are suffering too much. I was really surprised. It should have come way earlier. My personal opinion, I think it's a strategy towards the election. So it's, it should have come way earlier when the people were yearning for it. That's when it should have come. But at the same time, we move. We are, we are hoping uh, for the best. Um, we are expecting more from those who have taken over to us. Well. For me, I was not expecting anything like that. But in my opinion... Uh, I'm a Bible guy, so can I let me relate uh, this to the Bible? Uh, Moses, Moses in the Bible, he was leading the Israelites, and then uh, unfortunately, he did something. God called him; it was unexpected, and then he left. God selected someone who is Joshua to come and lead, and then yes, so Joshua came to do better things and then, like bigger things. So we are hoping for the best. Because if Ken Oferata is gone, we know that the next person is coming to do what Ken did to do, and then it will help Ghana move better. So anything is possible. So let me take you back to Parliament now, because Koku Asante, our parliamentary correspondent, joins me via Zoom. Koku, you're welcome to the poll. So tell me, how are members reacting to this late announcement by the president, if you like? So, Elton, in Parliament, there have been mixed reactions to this. The majority MPs really feel like this is a welcoming development, while NDC MPs feel like 
which is long overdue. I was talking about four NDC MPs who have all said they believe President Kufuado's changes are long becoming. But let me talk about about the health minister and why the president should have sacked him when Sputnik deal was, 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 was at the height of events. Mutala Mohammed talks about the finance minister who is being promoted to the office of the president. Says he's still going to be in charge of the finances of the country away from the, uh, from the, from the pressure. So, in terms of the NDCMPs, their concerns are that this is coming in a bit tad too late. And they believe this is just an election winning gimmick. So many NDP MPs are just being put in places where they can get enough resources to be able to move in and go and win in, in, in the 2024 election. So they believe this will not make any changes to the economy, but they believe substantively the president has delayed in bringing this. So what then happens next? I know that the referral was done by the Speaker of Parliament to the Appointment Committee. Now you have a new standing orders that has some guidelines regarding how they should be done on the, on the floor and, you know, at the committee level. So walk us through the process from today. Yes, the Speaker of Parliament has been sending a major appeal to the leadership of the House to bring in the new members so that they can reconstitute the committees of the House. According to the new standing orders, the Appointments Committee of Parliament will not be laid up of the leadership on both sides of the house. And then they will draw members from sectors that are coming before it. So let's say there's a vetting to be done on a great ministry, for instance. The leadership of the house will be on the committee to be chaired by the first deputy speaker. Then they will call members from the great committee to join. We've seen that the list that have come out, information ministry will be a, a, a person from the information ministry will be better. And so they will draw members from the communication committee with an oversight responsibility over that. Dr. Bernardo Koboy will be vetted for health ministry. That would mean that they will have to co-op members from the health committee to join the leadership of the House, who now forms the core of the appointments committee. So the Speaker of Parliament has now made a referral, and we know that time is of the essence. These ministers have just about 10 months to be in office. That means the vetting would have to be done early enough. It has to come to the floor for a vote. We don't even know if the minority will decide to vote for them or not which will lead to some standstill in the house if it comes to that. So that has to be done quite expeditiously to ensure that this moves, this moves forward. And so that referral has now been made, and we expect that within now and the, 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 the week ending, we can have the recomposition of all these committees according to the new standing orders. And as soon as next week, public hearings will be held in terms of these appointments, and then a vote will come. Mind you, Parliament... We'll just be sitting for seven weeks. This is the second week. They have five more weeks to go. And so if this delays, it will mean a lot more time is being wasted away from the time that these new ministers, especially those ones that will have to come to parliament to be vetted. And mind you, the changes were to take immediate effect. And so there are currently some ministers that do not have ministries, as you see, that do not have substantive ministers because of the changes that have come into the also. So 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 therefore there's no indication when the First, the first deputy speaker will constitute uh, the, the, the yes, committee there, to go into there, it. There's, there's no, no indication now, Elton, because of the composition of the committees. As I was saying, the appointment committee is already constituted, but because of the new standing orders, they have to change the appointments committee. According to the new standing orders of the House, the appointment committee will still be chaired by the first deputy speaker. The membership will be drawn from leadership of both the minority and the majority. Mm. And then, depending on who they are betting, they will draw members from other committees. So when it comes to health ministry, they will draw some members from there. So 
that has to be done quite expeditiously. The Speaker of Parliament, today on the floor, start leadership to immediately bring the recompose committees to the standing orders committee so that they can, they can expeditiously work on this because of the, the, the importance of these new changes that, that are happening in the executive government. And they need to immediately vet them, bring them to the floor for a vote. And given that the House has seven weeks to adjourn, they will have to do that immediately. The first deputy speaker, who is the chair of the committee, has not yet given any indication. You know, he has to go through setting process. In fact, some of these nominees will have to be vetted by the national security. They have to go through some, some rigorous processes before the appointment committee process will, will go ahead. And parliament does not have enough time. They have only five weeks to adjourn for Easter. And so there's a lot that has to be done. Mm. And parliament is currently wasting against time to do all that. Because there's actually the State of the Nation address, and after which yes. the, the House will have to spend some time to debate it. But let me just ask you one more question before you go. So with the, with the new standing orders, let's say, for example, the appointment committee is vetting. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. The health, mini, uh, health minister designates, and they have members of the health committee uh, brought in to do the vetting together with the appointment committee. Would they have voting rights if they have to decide on the suitability of the individual for the post? Yes, according to the new standing orders, the appointments committee will now be, like I said, composed first, the deputy speaker, the leadership on both sides of the house. And depending on who they are vetting, co-opt members. So the example you gave about the health ministry, when the leadership of the health committee of parliament joins the appointment committee to vet, um, on that particular score, they will have voting rights on the specific person they are vetting. And once the job is done, they cease to become members of the appointments committee when they have to vet the education minister or local government deputy minister, like ECOWASAPA, for instance. They will not draw members from the local government committee who on ECOWASAPA, on that specific nominee, that will be vetted, who have voting rights. And so these are some of the new changes mm. that have come in that the House will have to now change some of the processes that exist in the House, try and get used to all that before they can... They can get they can get this moving as early as possible, and then the majority leader himself later on came in the floor today. He's expected to leave some of these changes that are going to happen, and eventually make sure that these nominees face the appointment committee and get a chance to be voted on on the floor. Now. Right. Thank you very much, Kokwa Santi, is a parliamentary correspondent, and per my count, there are 22 nominees who will have to appear before the appointment committee to be vetted. Uh, 22. Nominees, they will have to be vetted per my count, uh, according to the statement that came from the presidency this morning. Well, the minority NDs in parliament, they have issued a statement reacting to the reshuffle, and I will go through uh, the statement for you. So the minority, uh, we've noted that the, the, the government ministerial reshuffle announced in a statement from the presidency to parliament today, 14 February 2024. According to them, it's a mere remix of the Kufuado and Al-Haji failed government, the, this injury time remains insipid and uninspiring. That's the words of the minority. And according to them, it's also too little too late, coming barely nine months to the, to the, to the exit of the government. Now that will it solve the suffering and hardship confronting the people of Ghana as a result of the bad governance and massive uncontrolled corruption of the Kufuado and Al-Haji government. This injury time reserves, according to the minority, 
who have been on the bench for more than seven years without warm-up cannot make any meaningful impact in the remaining nine months to salvage the sinking ship and the massive economic mess created by Haji Baumia and his economic management team. The tenure of this government has been characterized by excessive borrowing, unsustainable debt, and economic crisis, high appetite for taxes, poor governance, reckless and wasteful expenditure, siphoning of state resources into private pockets of government appointees, as well as state capture by family and friends of the president and his vice. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very long statement. Bottom line, the NDC is of the view that the changes will have no bearing, will have no positive bearing on the government with best nine months to the national election. Let me see if I can bring in Dr. Seram Kawa, senior finance lecturer, University of Cape Coast. Let me pick the reaction. We'll also be speaking to Dr. Osai Kwapom from the Center for Democratic Development. But let me start with you, Dr. Seram. Good afternoon and welcome to the pause here on Joy News. Thank you very much, my brother. Good afternoon. Right. So because of your background in finance, clearly the focus here will be on the finance minister. Now, after, yeah. after agitations by Ghanaians and even some members of the MPP caucus, President Kufu, after 400 days, decided to relieve him of his position as finance minister. Now, incoming is Minister of State at the Finance Minister, who worked directly under the Finance Minister, Dr. Amin Adam. What do you make of this change? And will it have any positive influence on the economic outlook, especially for 2024? Okay, thank you very much. The, the changes that we have seen is just coming too late in the government has been stated by others in the minority parliament. We expect that the changes would have been much earlier to give the new coming minister enough time to negotiate the IMF deal and know the way forward. Mm. Now, having uh, read the budget, having agreed with IMF what we are going to do, it means that the new minister would only have to come in and ensure that the implementation of the budget and the IMF program run to its smooth success. And that is what he is coming to do. Mm. I don't see any major change that he will be bringing on board mm. to ensure that the economy is rebound. Let us also remember that the finance minister had been promoted to uh, the presidency where he looks at the management team, uh, investment in the international financial market and all those. Right. That is, the, that is the information we have. We have. So, which is telling us that we may not see so much change if he were not to be promoted to that particular position. I expect the international community and investors to respond positively mm -hmm. to the move of his removal by shifting him to the presidency where he is still part of the government and will be advising the government on the things that they are supposed to do, I do not see any major change that they are going to bring. Uh, if they want to live by the assertions made by the vice president when he rolled out his uh, vision for the country, mm. saying that some taxes when he comes into power, those taxes will be abolished, mm -hmm. then they have to start now in doing that. But it is going to be very difficult for them because these are revenue measures that we have put out to rake in enough revenue to support the IMF program and other developmental projects that we have in the country. Mm. And so that, that will not be very possible for them to do. So I am just expecting that they would 
just ensure and supervise the IMF program and the budget that has been read by the previous finance minister right. to a successful end. So, 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 so therefore, Dr. Amin Abdam cannot have his own vision because the government policy for 2024 has already been approved by parliament. It is already in its implementation process. What, 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 what more can he do to ensure that there's some discipline? He, he, yeah. My, my brother, he cannot do anything. If he would bring any change at all, then it will be the change of the implementation of the current budget. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. And when it comes to procurement, to make sure that the procurement fraud and all those things that we see are taken out, that we get value for money in the procurement process and then the government contracts that are awarded. But for him coming out with his own policies and making sure that they are implemented, these things are inked and they are into law and have been accepted by parliament and so he cannot change it on his own mm. and it becomes very difficult for him to make any headway out. So next is to, you know, the first tranche of the IMF, we have it, the second tranche, we have it, there's a third one that is coming. What do we expect of him uh, as we move towards the 2024 elections? Okay. So as the IMF tranches come in, uh, we have had programs that have been outlined in the budget on how these monies will be spent. I expect that he utilizes the monies very well mm. so that those monies that will be invested and those investments should pay for themselves. So if, if we are using the money for road, we should put the road to pay for them. If we are using it for planting for food and jobs, Whatever planting for food and jobs that we are creating, that program should generate enough revenue to pay for the monies that we put into those areas. It shouldn't be a situation where we borrow as usual and mm. spend. No, that, that should not be. Do we even have the space? Doctor, do we even have the space to borrow even more? Do we have the space for such an enterprise? <laughs> No, as for, as for borrowing more, it is out. We, we cannot borrow. The only place we can borrow now is from the domestic market. Mm. Using the, the money market treasury bill within one year and then we have to pay. And so borrowing should be something that should be out. And the point I want to make is that you should work with the National Development Planning Commission to ensure that we have a strategic plan where the ministry will have to fit in to ensure that any time that we are going to borrow in the future, mm. we work within the development confines of the country. Right. Uh, I'll, bring, I'll ask you a final question. I can bring in Dr. Osai Kwapon, the Director of Democracy Projects at the CDD in Ghana. Uh, Dr. Sarah, one more question so I can bring in the other guests. So, the competence of the former finance minister, Kenneth Oyata, has never been in doubt. So, for you, what may have worked against him? You see, uh, yes, his competence as an investment banker 
and a successful banker has never been in doubt. But what went against the finance minister, the former finance mm. minister, was that investment banking is not the same as public financing. In the investment banking, you can borrow and you invest the money and you get more. You can discount the future cash flows. You get the money today and invest it and get a return so that you'll be able to pay the money up front. The finance minister got it wrong when he uh, collateralized some of our future revenues today. Monies were collected today. They were used for recurrent expenditure. Mm where they were not invested to give us a return on what we expect. And so it, make, it made it very difficult that debt management became a problem where we have to borrow to pay debt. And any time that you are borrowing to pay debt, it means that you will be perpetually indebted. Right. You will not be able to pay. And that was where the finance minister got it wrong. The principle of investment banking cannot be applied to the economy of Ghana. And if you want to do it, you are going to uh, incur the displeasure of some people where the political parties will not allow those things to happen. Because if you borrow for a school, and the school people are paying for it, a hospital, a market, all those projects in investment must pay for themselves. You don't go and get extra amount of money to pay for these projects when you have borrowed and you are paying interest on this amount of money. Mm. And for the finance minister, that is what went against him. Right. So, Dr. Uh, Sam, I'll come back to you. Maybe we can find out whether he should leave government entirely, what to make of his new role as an advisor for the president. But let me bring in Dr. Osai Kwapon, Director, Democracy Projects at the Center for Democratic Development. Uh, Dr. Kwapon, your initial reaction to the news that we were fed with uh, this morning whilst, you know, walking into the Valentine's Day. Thank you very much. Well, there's been, um, I think, towards the end of last week, the beginning of this week, there's been that increasing speculation, mm. news reports that um, a reshuffle was coming. Um, it's interesting that, uh, you know, for almost about seven years, the president pushed back, deflected any calls uh, for reshuffling. If you recall, he had an interview with a radio station in Tamale. Um, I think it was back in 2023 yes. where he said he was pleased with the output um, of his ministers and therefore saw no reason for a reshuffle. He wasn't going to reshuffle just for the sake of reshuffling. Right. Um, so it's, it's interesting just to see that eventually with roughly about 12 months left in office for his administration that Finally, he has engaged in and embarked on a major reshuffle of the government. So, for me, my my initial reaction was, um, you know, you didn't do this for seven years. Um, you gave reason why you didn't think you had to. So, it was just curious to see that we're just 11 months left in office. Finally, um, this is something that he has agreed to do. Is this coming in rather too late, as, you know, concluded by the minority NDC? I, I think so in the sense that I don't expect the government to embark on major governance initiatives, major policy initiatives, right? So I, I think I see the, the team as uh, sort of guiding the rest of the months of the administration uh, to, you know, safely to its end, you know, on January 7, 2025. Mm. So I, I don't think that it's going to have an impact if you put it in that context of 
are they going to you know uh, implement anything new? Mm. The only point I would note though is that you would hope that through their actions or inactions, these new appointees would not engage in you know something whilst in office that would create some governance issues or headaches for the president. Mm-hmm. But save for that, um, I don't think this is uh, going to have a major impact. But, but politically, I mean, let's look at the, the, the implications of this. The MPP, they have a new candidate going to the 2024 election. Uh, for, 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 for a long time, uh, Ken Oferata was seen as the enemy to our economic growth. Now he's out of the picture. There's, there's a new phase leading our economic development and implementation of the project for 2024. To what extent will this have an impact positively uh, you know, as far as the governance of this particular administration is concerned and going into the next election? You know, um, if this had been done, let's say, right after the 2020 election or even after 2022, when round nine of Afrobarometer came out and the ratings of government were very abysmal, I think a major shakeup in 2020 in response to that, I believe, would have won this administration a lot of good graces um, and some political, you know, and some, you know, uh, political capital, you know, because it would have demonstrated that okay, um, we've had the feedback, we're going to correct course, and then you give, you know, the new set of appointees or whoever you moved around to a different ministry a good two years to then make an impact and see how best you can reshape public perceptions. Mm. But for me, at this hour of the game, politically, I don't see any benefits directly inuring to this administration or even to, you know, Dr. Baumian. Because I also don't think that voters are going to go into the December election thinking, um, you know, there was a reshuffle, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, let me vote for, you know, the MPP. I don't see a connection between those two. But, but, but do you support or reject the president's insistence before the parliamentary primaries that if you go and you lose you out of my government, if you think that you are no longer, con- if, if you don't want, if you, if you no longer want to be in parliament, in the next parliament, then clearly your attention is not 100 I need people whom I can trust day and night. Now, that has resulted in the action of 12 ministers, 10 of them cabinet ministers. Some deputy ministers are also out. Some, 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 some leadership in parliament will also be affected. Is it a good call? You know, for me, um, especially for those who were not MPs, right, um, I always have concerns about holding a ministerial or other kind of executive appointment and trying to run for MP, Mm. right? It creates quite a number of issues. Uh, But if an MP was seeking re-election or was trying to go for a particular seat and lost, I don't think it should should have been seen as... uh, you know, like a slight to the administration or you don't want to be, you know, part of this administration. I mean, you could just as easily come back and, you know, say about the rest of the term. I'm thinking of, um, I think, the Minister for Gender, for example, right. who lost her primary, you know. Um, I mean, the President must have his own reasons as to why he has asked some of these people. But um, I don't think... The, the, the Minister for Sanitation that. as well. Precisely, mm-hmm. right. I don't think it's really a sign that I don't want to be quote-unquote, part of your, you know, government or, you know, your, your way out. And it's it's just 11 months, unless mm-hmm. there are performance issues um, that the president feels paved way for somebody else to keep me going for the next 11 months. That's then a different story. Kenneth Ferrata is still, for, for the information we are picking, 
from the Jubilee House will still play good roles. In fact, an advisor on the economy, which basically for me, from my little understanding in governance, will tell me that, I mean, whatever the finance minister has, we have to go through, can before you get it, the attention of the president. You know, the, the president has always reposed a lot of confidence in Kenneth Oriata, even when there were increasing calls uh, for, you know, his removal from office. Uh, he did say that, you know, he managed the economy for them when they came in. Mm. Uh, he faced the COVID crisis, managed and saw them through the COVID crisis. So he had no reason to remove him from um, office. Therefore, I'm not surprised that he's still giving him a role uh, to play in the, you know, in the next year that is left in the office. I have always said that giving the intense... Uh, public reaction that Ken Furiata was getting, um, the calls for members of his own party in parliament, some of those MPs who said, you know, Ken must go, um, the censure hearing and all of those things. If I were in his position, I would have actually left. I would have said, I have said my time, I have done what I can do for this government. I understand the dissatisfaction that it is causing, not just for me, but for this administration, for the government, Mr. President, thank you for the opportunity to serve. And um, at this time, I want to lay down my tools and, uh, you know, let somebody else pick up from there. But we are all different. We all have different mm. dispositions. I'm not a fighter. Um, I like peace. And so sometimes for the greater good and for the greater good of the administration, the party, I would have said, let peace reign and let me rest. But again, the president has a lot of confidence mm. in him, so... I'm not surprised that he's still going to play a role um, for the president in the next year that is left. So, my final question would be, did the president miss a golden opportunity to reduce the size of government? You know, remember the size of government has become a major political tool. John Mahama yeah. says that I'll bring it to 60. Dr. Mahama Dubamia said it will not go beyond 50. Now, the president had an opportunity to reshuffle. Did he miss that golden opportunity to say that we are giving meaning to what our leader wants to achieve in 2025? I don't think so. Um, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have that political incentive at this point uh, to do that. His time is almost over. Let this issue be you know, a political issue for those who are aspiring to succeed him uh, to resolve. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Osei Kwapon, Director Projects at the CDD. Let me pick a final word from Dr. Osei. So, Dr. So we are in 2024. Uh, the electioneering campaign is going to heat up. The economy is going to be a major uh, reference point as far as the, the deciding uh, the, how voters are going to vote. We are under an IMF program. We have a new finance minister. He's not new in government. He's very experienced. He, Kufors, when the former president Kufuor's first time, he was mayor of Tamale. When the friend Akufuado, when Akufuado came to power, he was first made deputy energy minister uh, to minister of state at the finance and now the Sustainable Finance Minister. The economy is key. What do you expect as we roll towards 2020? Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. For with all the things, the IMF program, uh, I, today we're told that inflation has gone up slightly. What do you expect as we move towards the elections? Okay. I, 
as we move towards the election, one of the key issues that we have to look at is our exchange rates. Mm. The exchange rate in the sense that we depend so much on imports from other countries. And the exchange rate has been fluctuating and recently there has been surge on the rates that we have. Mm. The government needs to look at the pegging of the, the duties that importers pay at the various ports on the exchange rate. And so uh, we need to look at that. We need to look at the duties that are paid. We need to look at the taxes that have been imposed on businesses and individuals in this country. Mm. Because these things are very key and they affect the very fundamentals of our economy. As we speak, government is crowded from the international financial market, and so they they are now borrowing from the domestic market, right? Making interest rate very expensive, crowding out in the domestic investors in terms of the entrepreneurs and small scale businesses that we have. I believe that government will need to work hard to make sure that they reduce the rate at which we borrow. We negotiate contracts that will inure to the benefit of our country in terms of gold, oil, bauxite, and all those things. Mm. We need to make sure that we, we do that. If only that will be applicable, which I doubt they will be able to do because the selfish interests of those in government outweigh the interests of the Ghanaian population. Uh, we, we also need to work hard to reduce the prices of food items on our market. Okay. And so how do, we, how do we do that? The policy on planting for food and jobs must be well implemented. Mm-hmm. That the farmers who have the large amount of land to cultivate are the ones who benefit from it. We need to provide them enough subsidies and making sure that they have mechanized form of agriculture in the country so that they can plant on a larger scale so that we would be able to have bumper harvest just after the raining season. Mm. That will go a long way to reduce the food items that we have on the market. Right. And if that happens, we are going to get the rate of inflation reducing uh, over time. I also want to urge government that policy implementation is very key. Mm-hmm. The way you implement the policies must be well communicated to the citizens so that everybody is aware that these are the policies and these are the expectations from them. Announcing policies when it is budget statement and then we want everybody to take it immediately becomes problematic. Mm. Let us have discussions on them. Let us have the town hall meetings on some of these things. Let the people make input, review your policy and bring it out and let all of us accept that this policy that you are bringing, we've all bought into it. And our ideas are part of it. These are the expectations that we have so that we will be able to implement these policies successfully. Right. Thank you very much, Dr. Seram, economist with the University of Cape Verde. You may be looking at, yes, the, the, the reshuffle that was announced by President Akufuado this morning. But let's say a little longer on this matter because the Member of Parliament for Cape North, James Kluge-Aveji, has described the government reshuffle as long overdue as he urged the new ministers designate not to rush to initiate new policy uh, programs in the next nine months in office, but focus on completing ongoing projects in their term in office. I spoke to my colleague, James Kwesi Aveji, in Parliament earlier today. 
we have been calling for a reshuffle of the ministers for a very long time now. The president didn't listen to any of these calls. Uh, so finally, finally, the president has done it. But my first impression or general impression is that it came too late. Um, this reshuffle should have been done long, uh, long, no, long no, no ago. Because, look, the president was in power for four, first four years. He never reshuffled his cabinet ministers. Then another four years was given to him. We are calling for reshuffle because people have sat on, on, on one uh, ministry for long. They became too used to the system. Um, they, they became exhausted in, in terms of ideas. They don't have any new things to introduce into the administration of those ministries. So things were not moving on. So we are calling for the president to reshuffle. And if you reshuffle, you bring in fresh ideas. But the president did this to us. Now that he, brought, he did it uh, 10 months into the election, uh, it came too late. So my impression is that it is too late. But, well, it has come. But it is too late. I wonder if the <clears throat> new ministers who have come on board will be able to do anything meaningful that will benefit the people of this country. What they say, I'm sure they have some um, eight to nine months, approximately, or ten months mm. to uh, stay in office mm. before an eventual either total change of government mm. to bring in another government or mm. to continue on a fresh page. Mm. Within this nine to ten months, mm. what would it add or subtract to governance and leadership? Well, it will add um, some level of changes. Because as I said earlier on, uh, ministers who have now come on board or have now given a new portfolio will now come with a new ideas. But you know, it takes some time for new ideas that uh, they will bring on board to manifest. Uh, first of all, they also need time to study the new ministries and their, their new portfolio and then see what they can do. Uh, so Nine, ten months to the end of the year, actually about nine months to the election. So uh, they come in on board. By the time they, they settle and to study their ministries and see the challenges that the ministry have, will be getting into the election. And the campaign will, will, be, will become very hit. And so definitely they will not be able to even implement any policy. That is the way I see it. Maybe existing policy, they, will, they might continue to implement those policies, but to bring about a new policy within this period, I doubt it. Hmm. Some key ministries of concern hmm. uh, have also been affected, for instance, the finance ministry, which has been at the center of a lot of controversies from COVID time, post-COVID, uh, you members. In, on the floor of parliament have called for uh, his removal and all of that have initiated some processes into that. The health ministry have also seen some changes. Those key ministries, what do you expect the new ministers to pay attention to critically as we go into the election in this short period? I think I'll take it one by one. I'll take the finance ministry first. Um, I think that if 
were the new minister, what I'll do is to review the task system, all the tasks that this government has introduced, which definitely are burdens on the people of this country. I need to review the task system, look at those that can be withdrawn or cancelled. Uh, that is what I'll do. And then also I look at how I can expand the task collection, the field that will remain, how we can expand it. You know, taxes is such that if you continue to import taxes to people who are already paying the tax, you are creating more burden for those people. But there are other people who also earn income, but they are not taxed. So if you are able to expand the base and then reduce the, the rates, people will feel comfortable to pay their tax. And once the base is big and the rate is low, you still achieve the revenue that you want. Mm -hmm. But because we have failed all the time to work on the base of our tax collection system, that is why we always want to introduce new taxes and the people who have been paying the system will continue to pay those ones also. And so I would advise that the new minister look at the tax system and see what you can do. The second thing I can do is that this is an election year. There will be pressure on the minister where government current government want to spend to impress on people, you will realize that they will, they will want to initiate new projects just for votes. But that will lead to overspending. And if you lead to overspending, the deficit that will come will take a long time to, 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 to resolve. So if you also watch the expenditure, the key expenditures on employment, um, emoluments will continue to, to run, but the expenditure on the capital expenditure, which we have budgeted for, it should limit the expenditure to the amount we have budgeted for. It should be allowed to go and initiate new projects, give contracts, especially for road. Mm. You see them running to go do this road so that the people will vote for them. That's, that is one thing that we do. But as a minister um, who, if the president directs him to do that, he want to do. But they should be mindful that if that, is, if that happens, you're going to create problems for the next government. That will come to them. Whether they will continue as a uh, government, which I don't believe will happen, is that there will be a very big hole to fill. But if they think that, oh, let's do it, we are, we are losing the election, let's the next government, which is NDC, come and fill the, 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 the gap. That is what, maybe that's what they'll be thinking. But I, I think that if the new government come to place, which definitely I, I wish and I, and I hope Ghanaians will vote for NDC, come to back, we will have to study and see how we can resolve those, fill those gaps and then make life comfortable for Ghanaians. James Kruzhav, the chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, also sharing his talks on the cabinet reshuffle announced by the president this uh, morning. My name is Elton Robert. This is the pause here on Joy News. Now, from an initial cohort of 100 persons in 2004, over 25,000 persons living with HIV have been placed on the HIV antiretroviral treatment, thereby reducing the mobility and mortality rate of the virus. According to the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumar-Bwaje, New HIV infections are seemingly decreasing due to the ARV and other preventive measures. 
He was speaking at the antibacterial treatment at 20 media launch to commemorate the strides achieved pertinent to HIV antibacterial treatment in Ghana. In September 2000, the Ghana AIDS Commission was established and its responsibility was to coordinate the multisectoral response, which was critically needed. Ladies and gentlemen, with structures well in place, the first national decision on the provision of ART for persons who live with HIV was taken in the year 2000. The national therapy guidelines were developed in 2002 and, and the pilot provision of antiretrovirals was done in 2003 at St. Martin's de Porres Hospital, Agomenya, and Atua Government Hospital, with a scale-up to Kolebu Teaching Hospital, Confano Teaching Hospital, in 2003 and 2004, respectively. Ladies and gentlemen, this was ably supported by the Global Fund. In the, the same year, 2003, ARVs were commercially available with support from Farm Access International and USAID supporting Akai House Clinic, Yahoo Medical Center, Holy Trinity Hospitals, and MedLab. This is to say that the private sector was not left out in our response. The treatment acceleration project by the World Bank also came in with support for testing approaches meant to scale up treatment to the public-private partnership in facilities like a Family Health International, Private Enterprise Foundation, the Catholic Health Services, to mention a few. They also provided institutional capacity for treatment through the World Health Organization, and they facilitated the learning from treatment as prevention uh, tap countries. So let's explore this issue much further. Dr. Stephen A.C. Ado is Programs Manager National AIDS and STI Control Program with the Ghana Health Service. Dr. A.C., you're welcome. Thank you very much. So we are doing good, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at the progress we've made, mm. it's clear that we are doing good, but I mean, there's still much more room for improvement. So 20 years down the line, um, we started antiretroviral therapy in just one or two sites at Gomenya, uh -huh. St. Martin de Porres, and then to Kolebu Teaching Hospital and Confanochi. Now we are doing 735 antiretroviral therapy sites. Across the country? Across the country, uh -huh. which is a significant improvement. Uh -huh. But I said there's more room because there are about 6,000, 8,000 facilities, health facilities uh -huh. in the country. Right. And our aspiration will be that everywhere there is a service, health service, AIT should be delivered. But the money is more complex than just that. That is why. The other issue is that we've been able to put almost, I'll say, up to 300,000 or so people mm -hmm. on treatment ever. In fact, I was coming to that to say that if we move from, is it four in 2023 to over 700 yeah. in 2024? Oh, yeah. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. And more people have been put on yes. So we've done up to about 300, close to 300, about 280,000 people ever been put on treatment. Mm -hmm. Ever means that they started, but okay. some have stopped. 
they are lost to follow up. Others have, have gone to eternity. They have died. May their souls rest in peace. Others have stopped due to adverse reactions and other factors we are aware of. Mm -hmm. okay, so currently, as we speak, up to about 160,000 people are on treatment, currently active, active and taking medications. We know a few of them, plus or minus, who are also on treatment, but they, are, they, they don't want to appear on the database. Mm -hmm. So if you add that, it may be a little more. But well, you have quite a, a 60, number. 60,000. Yeah, 60,000. Uh, the last time I, I, I heard in the studio, the Director General of the Ghana AIDS Commission, they said over 300,000 people are HIV positive in Ghana. 354,000. Uh, uh, so that's like half on treatment. Yes. Um, in fact, if you used um, a measure that we are using, about 72% as at last year um, of that total number, uh -huh. um, were on treatment. No, 72% knew their status. Of that 72, about 87% percent of them are on treatment. treatment. Yes. So, so, so the right. But, but if the, you take the baseline, then as you are saying, about half of about them. half of yes. them. So those who are not in treatment, what what is it? Is it that? So it also it also includes people who we estimate to be positive, mm -hmm. but we've not identified them, and they have not been linked to treatment. Mm -hmm. So they are not aware that they have HIV and therefore they have not accepted treatment. Secondly, there are also those we've identified, but not linked, because a few people you test, they are positive. What they give you medication, wait. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check, I'm going to, they go and test again. Mm -hmm. They are not ready to start medication. All right, so linkage rate is not 100%. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So those are the reasons why those are not treatment. Some have started, but they have disengaged. So, 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 from 2003, 20 years, what has been the journey so far? Yeah, it's been, in fact, we've, I think uh, today there was a story of the president of the NAPLAS, National Association of People Living with HIV. She's been on medication for 20 years. Wow. She's alive. She's 70 years. We have this story to showcase of many people who have survived because of antiretroviral medication. Mm -hmm. Earlier on, when we hadn't found it, remember, between the time we found the first case, mm -hmm. And the first introduction of antiretroviral therapy was 17 years. We were only resorting to uh, septrin, antibiotics, as a prophylaxis to, to deal with opportunistic infection, people who have a suppressed immunity. And so the, 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 it was kind of grim, you know, and HIV AIDS was a death sentence. We didn't have a clue what was going to happen. There was no even uh, thought of cure or anything. Up to now, we don't have a cure, right. but even treatment was not easy. Then when we started treatment, we had now a cocktail. People who take like 10, almost 10 medications, some in the morning, afternoon, in the evening. But we've made progress very to the extent that very stressful to them. And that even is a barrier to adherence. Mm -hmm. We've come to a stage where now it's only one medication, fixed dose, three in one. You can just swallow very convenient one, once a day. To the extent that so there's now, been massive improvement. Massive, significant. That's why we're celebrating this. Um, even in the past, I mean, the difficulties of accessing the medication, all right, it was only limited to a few facilities. And the stigma, the stigma associated to the extent that now we've been attempting community distribution of ART. And going forward, we're looking at injectables, which can be given you, and then you need to come, let's say, after three months, you know. So even the treatment, we're not giving so many people, let's say, too much, six months. Now we're doing what we call multi-man dispensing, where you can take for six months. Okay. And you just come in, if you are fine, we just give you another six months. 
All right, so we've made a lot of progress, I mean, from testing to the treatment. And now even the whole issue about the treatment, you know, people were afraid. And we used to experience something called the immune reconstitution syndrome. When people have a severe suppression, they have AIDS, and you give them the medication, they come out immediately with some side effects. Okay. It's called immune reconstitution syndrome. Once their body is recovering, then they're able to detect all the opportunity infection, and then it comes, it presents like a severe disease. Some of them were suffering complications and death from it. So people were even afraid of the medication, and if I took it, this will happen to me. The other issue we had were people said, people in HIV said, when I take the medicine, I get too hungry. So if you don't give us food. So at a point, we were providing even so rations to, go, to, go to, to take the medication. But thankfully, we come through all that. We used to use a criteria where your, your immunity should be at a certain level before we started. Mm -hmm. uh, CD4 count of 200, now we went to 350, 500. Now we're doing test and treat. So we test you immediately, like you have malaria, mm -hmm. we treat you. And you can initiate your treatment the same day. So you can see the difference. Exactly. I mean, it's very interesting. Even to the extent that, I mean, back, back in the days, people were even afraid to, to get close to people who are HIV positive. Now, an HIV positive person can to a child who will not be infected with the virus. And we have a lot of success stories exactly. we're going to showcase mm. because we have to do that to reinforce adherence. The number of babies who are negative, mothers who are positive, we have several discordant couples, positive male, negative female, or positive female, negative male. They are a couple, and for some time now, they still remain the same status. One is still positive, one is still negative because they are on medication. So therefore, HIV is no longer a death sentence? No, and we want that to go out clear that it is no more a death sentence. If you continue to take your medication, adhere, like hypertension or diabetes, you will be fine. Mm. And then you can give birth to children, I mean, and they will be negative, free of HIV. Mm. And so we want the public to have confidence. Unfortunately, unfortunately, what has happened to other chronic conditions happening to us? People will go to the prayer camps, they'll go to you know, the herbalists, the you know, alternative medications and all that. And and by the time they come back, the situation is very worse. They have come back down with AIDS. A lot of them even die before they come. Mm. So that is one of the barriers. And uh, you know, we want to deal with that also because somehow people get tired of taking everything every day. So they want an easy route and shortcut. And when it comes to health, people think that they must get easy solutions and then they, they are fine. So we are dealing with all of this. And, but it's so important for us to emphasize that though we don't have a cure, antiviral therapy is life-saving. You know, we, because of the science, we cannot say it's a, a cure. A cure means that if I, you take it, it must eliminate mm -hmm. and you don't need to take it again. But this is treatment which will suppress it as long as you take it. You have undetectable virus. It's not transmissible, therefore. But when you withdraw, mm -hmm. then then you have it's a It's just like somebody who is on a BP medication. The same. It is something that you're going to be on it for the rest of your life. If you stop, then you, know, you, are, just, you are just drawing yourself closer to your grave. But the homo homeopaths, the traditionalists, will come and say, I have a cure. You see? Mm -hmm. So if somebody has confidence in something, he says, that one is a cure. But it's not true. Unless the program, the National Health Control Program, or the Ghana Health Service, the Ministry of Health comes to announce that we now have a cure based on what we know globally. Mm. Nobody should accept any 
message. We have a management, we have treatment. But this is lifelong. In fact, there's additional study, which is said for people who have been on treatment for a long time, some of them, they are not rebounding. So we are going to get to a stage where now, even these molecules will be enhanced and it will come very close to a cure. Because once you take it, you are suppressed. You don't, it's undetectable in your body and you don't have a risk of transmitting to another person. That is why now treatment is touted as prevention as well. Mm. Because if we treat and you answer press, you are undetectable. The virus is undetectable. You will not transmit. But nevertheless, in recent past, we've had media reports of shortage of the ARVs. I don't know what you've done in this area to make it available. Okay, so there were issues about clearing at the port, the delays in clearing, uh, clearing agents, challenges. And that was the main reason. Mm -hmm. um, but this, there's been an intervention to let this happen so that we can collect quickly. We've also had challenges with the logistics system. I mean, sometimes even when you've cleared, the movement to the facilities is a challenge. We've given instruction that people can share amongst themselves. But as I've told you, um, if uh, we have only uh, 735 and there are 5,000 facilities, the best thing would have been to send it to every facility uh -huh, so that when you spread it, managing it is easier. And we are not there yet, but we will do that. Okay, but issues about funding is also a major factor. So the clearing issue is funding. So, so the clearing issue, what have we done about it? Is it completely gone? Uh, we found alternatives because uh, if a clearing agent has a challenge with uh, pre-financing to clear, because we only pay, the global firm only pay. Mm -hmm. If, uh, if, it's uh, if it's cleared, we cannot pay yeah, ahead, of, ahead of time. Yeah. Recently, there were increases in also the charges at mm. the port. Yeah, of course. And for every uh, planning, forecasting, there's a proportion of the commodity that, is, that goes into clearing charges. But it's been, there's been a significant escalation in the pricing for clearing, the amount for clearing. So what is even allocated in our budget is lower than what is required for, now for the clearing and, and you don't have any waiver from the Ministry of Finance so that is a discussion now we are supposed to get the waiver through the Ministry of Finance from Parliament to waive but despite all the waivers there are some taxes so there. that AU tax ECOWAS tax and we hear that it's above the Parliament mm. and so the discussion now is how do we go send another legislation to make that possible so that we have a blanket waiver for all the commodities because it doesn't make sense that somebody's buying medication for you and then you tax the person also for that donation so those are things we need to overcome and uh, we are hoping that we'll have a dialogue around this mm. the minister of finance will sit in minister of health the part everybody so that we can come to a certain decision once and for all. we need to first of all agree that this is life-saving it is preventing something if we actually lift our foot off the pedal, what will happen is we're building a reservoir of HIV drug resistance strains. Because now you don't have the medication, people don't take it, the virus multiplies, and we have mutated strains, and that will be more difficult to treat. So we don't want a second epidemic. And country must agree that it is important and we need to prioritize. So, so, so put money aside and, and do and that. Buy. Other than us, the, the flip side will mean that government should make clearing free, especially when it involves government agents that is, that is taking custody of the ARV. Yeah, so then the government institution must talk, you see. We must, you know, when you talk to the 
GRA or somebody at the port. They are doing their work. Mm. But finance must be able to say that the money goes to finance. Mm. But it's the finance who has put pressure on them that take every time. So there ought to be that discussion. Mm. And then they say that for these goods, these are essential. Just give blanket waiver and deal with the supra-parliamentary, whatever, because if it's ECOWAS and EU... It will be up to government with the finance minister to go back to parliament to amend the law and then say that maybe for this and that, it may not be affected. That, that may be... It's a matter of your... The, yeah, so the, the, the sector minister can take it. But besides, before you go, today is Valentine's. I don't know the advice you have for... Uh, yes, so Valentine is about love. And let's keep it as, as such. Let's spread love. But you know, an aspect of love, when you take all the three dimensions, people talk about agape, philos, and all that eros. So the eros love is where the issue of HIV comes sex. Sex is very good. Romance is good. But it must be actually attended to in a responsible manner. Sure. So avoid spreading HIV through unprotected sex. But having sex with people you, whose status you don't know, use the condoms. I mean, if you are not sure, it's better to abstain. Because if you have never tried HIV, people say that, oh, it's difficult to abstain. But if you have really, really tried <laughs> HIV, you know that abstinence is better. Mm. Okay, so the condom must be used consistently. Right, and the benefit of it is prevent other STIs. It even prevents unwanted pregnancy. Let us show love to the people living with HIV because it's about love. If we discriminate against them and then we stigmatize them, then they get angry. You heard recently right. somebody was going on mm. spreading. But nobody will tell you. Okay, so today we don't see sick people. So even people living with HIV, when they say, I have HIV, people don't believe really them. Yes. Uh -huh. So love must be expressed in its fullest form. Let's give a true meaning to it by first of all, showing love to the people living with HIV. Let our actions of love be free of risk mm -hmm. so that we don't spread HIV or contract HIV, but we rather spread love. Let us, our language be actually laced with love. Let's encourage people who have HIV. Let us support people who want to marry, who even have HIV. And I'm it's a message to the pastors mm. because love is bigger than HIV. All right. So if somebody is willing to lay down his life for the other, let's rather support them. Let's not deny them conjugal opportunities mm. because of that. Let us continue to show love by contributing to the national response. Sure. And let's contribute because it's about your friend, your family member. It's about somebody you are not taking, you are, you are taking for granted. It's about somebody who may become your in-law. Mm. And the generation today, young people, are not aware. Mm -hmm. So let's do everything to demonstrate that our love is not by talk, it is by action. All right. Thank you very much, Stephen Aiziado, Public Ghana Health Service, Thank as we you. celebrate 20 years of ARV in Ghana, ARV treatment in Ghana. Thank you so much. You're still watching the pause here on Join News. Let's move our attention. As we still celebrate love globally, the Member of Parliament for Fenso South, Isaac Yaopoko, is one in Ghana may not be able to produce up to 500,000 tons of cocoa this season. The regulator cocoa board said it expects output to reach 800,000 tons. But making chocolate day in Parliament, marking chocolate day in Parliament, MPs have been expressing concerns about the dwindling fortunes of Ghana's cocoa sector, a country that was formerly the world's largest producer of cocoa. Azigiapoku is charging government to take urgent steps to save the cocoa industry. Speaker, at this time, 
last year, production stood at 560,421. 0.44 metric tons. Speaker, as we speak this year, production is around 356,235.75 metric tons, a drop of 57%. So, Speaker, the situation is worrying. My fear is that this year, if we are not careful, we may not be able to produce even 500,000 metric tons. Speaker, what are the factors militating against the production of cocoa? Speaker, three factors have been identified. One is the swollen shoot disease. And I know Ghana Cocoa Board is doing everything to contain the disease. Speaker, the other one is Galamse. And I know the fight against Galamse is gradually uh, being lost. But, Speaker, my major concern is the third factor, and that is smuggling. Speaker, Ghana Cocoa Board spends huge amount of money to import expensive chemicals, fertilizers, fungicides, insecticides, uh, flower-inducing chemicals, and what have you, Mr. Speaker? And they employ labor to, to apply these chemicals. Speaker, we do all we can to produce the crop. I will do very little to protect the crop from smuggling. The Member of Parliament for Juaboso, a growing cocoa community, Kwabinam Binka Kando, says dwindling projects can be blamed mainly on Galamse and government poor handling of cocoa farmers' welfare issues. The Speaker, as I speak to you now, we are talking about chocolate. We have to import cocoa into Ghana for the manufacturing of cocoa, uh, for the manufacturing of chocolate in this country. And it's unfortunate that one of the factors militating against the production of cocoa in this country is Galamse. Mr. Speaker, we were all in this country when the President of the Republic of Ghana put his position on the line that he was going to combat Galamse in this country. Presidency of the line. Let's look at what we see today. It is more rampant than he came to meet. And that's a fact that nobody can challenge. It is more rampant. Galamse in this country is more rampant than the President came to meet. Let's look at if we are celebrating cocoa, we must begin to reflect on the lives of the farmers. It used to be one of the most lucrative jobs in this country. In fact, if you do anything that gives you money, they say it is your cocoa. In fact, during the cocoa season, you don't, you don't need to owe a cocoa farm. You see money in the system. It gives strength to our currency. How is it now? Mr. Speaker, I am deeply, deeply sad. Now, people are giving out their cocoa farms for Galamse with impunity. Largely because of how cocoa farmers have been treated in this country. They can't even get chemicals to spray their cocoa. Some a deduction that has been made from their, from, their, from their produce. They can't get fertilizers for their cocoa.
And that's Parliament's contribution to the National Co Chocolate Day or the National Valentine's Day uh, celebration in the House. Well, that's it for today's edition of The Pulse. For more stories, log on to our website, MyJoy. Online.com, some of the stories on myjournal.com. New face in Akufuado's government after ministerial reshuffle. There's an NDC reaction to the ministerial reshuffle. Log on to our website, myjournal.com, for this story and more. My name is Elton Brobe. See you tomorrow for another exciting edition. Have a good evening. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.